Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Spin Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Kiara McKinney, and we're back with another episode full of a lot of drama. We're talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's ski incident lawsuit, Amanda Bynes 5150 hold, and an update on Scandaval. So strap in because, um, like I said, this episode is going to be full of tea. Award season is officially over. We have seen who our, you know, grand finale winners are essentially everything, everywhere, all at once. The White Lotus, Ozark, that's basically who swept up the whale, which people are really mad about. People are upset because they feel as though the whale kind of shows fat people as slobby, gross ogres living in squalor. So um, people are kind of upset that Brennan Fraser won for that and feel as though um, a win for the whale is a loss for the humanity of people who are fat. So something to note. So yesterday we got a very juicy TMZ video of Raquel, aka Rachel, outside of the nail salon as she returned to LA for the filming of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. So it also happened to be the day that the episode aired. So it was quite a day for Vanderpump Rules and the whole Scandaval extravaganza. So first of all, it was kind of weird. Some people pointed out that it was strange that the TMZ guy like strutted up to Raquel, who was sitting outside of the nail salon. I guess either right before or right after her appointment, but she was like sitting in this like lone chair outside of the nail salon, which was strange, even like to me who doesn't know the area at all. Like when I go to the nail salon, if I'm waiting before my appointment or if like in a parallel universe, if I was waiting for like an Uber after my appointment, if I was somewhere that I didn't live. I would not be waiting outside, especially when it's been rainy like it has been lately in LA. So, and she was like, there was a singular chair out there and a lot of people on Instagram, on like gossip accounts that I saw posting the video, a lot of people commenting were like, I live in the area. I like take my dog to that vet or groomer's place that was pictured in the background. And they were like, that chair is never out there. So it's weird that she was even like poised out there. So people thought that maybe this was like um, an instance where she like called the paparazzi on herself. So just something to think about. And she sang like a canary, as TNZ put it. She says that Schwartz did not know about the affair and claims that she did have a genuine interest in Schwartz which I found to be really interesting. And I don't know if it's true or not. Obviously we like kind of have to just take everything. Any of these people say with a grain of salt, but I don't know that I believe that Schwartz didn't know about it at all the entire time. I think maybe if she's speaking about what we're seeing unfold on the show right now, maybe um, that's what she means. And I definitely believe that. But she claims that she had a genuine interest and curiosity there with Schwartz. And I'm, I was kind of surprised that she admitted that, if that's the case. Because in my opinion, that kind of makes things worse for her. <laughs> I think to admit blatantly that she was kind of like experimenting with both Toms and then therefore like hurting both Ariana and Katie without any like concern for their feelings, I think makes things seem, I think like, I think it makes her seem even more diabolical and not less. So I was like, just kind of surprised that she admitted to that so willfully. So that's one thing she says that right off the bat. And then she, the TMZ reporter asks, um, 
if the affair, like how it started. And she says that it started out just as a friendship and kind of turned into something more. She doesn't really say like where it started. So she says that they're going to get to that on the reunion. I think, I don't know if she has like in her head, like certain things that she wants to like save for the reunion or certain things that she has to save for the reunion. Because I know that they all did get like phone calls because Lala had said on her podcast yesterday or the day before that they all got phone calls saying that they were going to have their phones taken during the reunion because they feel like there's somebody leaking information and (laughs) they like, they're going to have their phones taken and normally they're able to post like behind the scenes stuff, but they're not going to be able to this time. So I know that they've already gotten like ground rules and like gotten kind of like talkings to about what they're allowed to say and not allowed to say. So it makes sense that she's like not willing to speak about um, when the affair started. It seems like there are certain things that she's like, I have to save that for the reunion. And that's one of them. She says that she apologized to Ariana, but it wasn't received well. She says that she talked to her on the phone, um, which I think based on what I've heard and like listening to all the different girls podcasts. I've listened to snippets of Lala's snippets of Sheena's snippets of Kristen's and like half of Stassi's. And from based on what I've put together, it sounds like when Sheena found Raquel, she was outside talking to Ariana on the phone and Sheena could hear Ariana like bawling on the other end. So, yeah, <laughs> and Ariana was with Kristen um, when she found that video on Tom's phone. So I think that that's what she's referring to in terms of apologizing to Ariana on the phone, and I don't know if that counts. Um, but then she says that she had also texted her and said it wasn't received well, and, and the reporter was like, and what did she say back? And she was like, um, I'd rather not say <laughs> And then the reporter also asked why she thought that Lala was so aggressive toward her. And she was like, I don't know. I think I that I've just always l- rubbed Lala the wrong way. But I do want to kind of like put a, I want y'all to like mentally put a bookmark there because that comes back around later when the episode last night aired. Like it all made sense to me, the Lala thing. But also during the TMZ little interview, she doubled down on Sheena hitting her, said that she now has a permanent scar. But I think that scar has been there a while. And like, it's still so fresh that I don't know that she would know that like, like it would still be a scab, not a scar at this point in theory. So I don't know that I believe that piece of it. So like I said, the last two episodes of Vanderpump Rules have aired after Scandival broke. So it's been really interesting to watch them. And it seems like both episodes happened like right around the time that the affair started. So I'm going to kind of break down in not too specific, (laughs) like for those of you who watch it, um, I'm not gonna bore you with the like intimate details, but essentially the first episode is Katie's divorce party trip. And we see, um, Christina Kelly comes with Katie and Lala and Raquel to Vegas And the four of them go out and at the time when we're like, at the time, we don't know this, but now watching, we know that Christina Kelly at the time was pregnant because Christina just gave birth like right before, right after that episode aired, like between these two episodes, Christina has given birth. So we know at the time of filming this episode, Christina's pregnant, so she's not drinking. So that's an important thing to note. Then obviously Lala is sober. So that means that only Raquel and Katie are drinking. So they go out in Vegas and Lala, they mean they meet Garcelle's oldest son, Oliver Saunders, who works for like one of Vanderpump's Vegas restaurants. 
And they, he tells them that he's separated from his wife, but apparently they were not separated at the time. And like, I guess this kind of gets lost in the sauce because of all the sand, sand of all like crap. So he really got, he really got a lucky break with all of this, Oliver, because he totally lied to Lala and Raquel and said that he was separated from his wife and mother of his child. Like he has a child at home and we saw on camera him say that to him, to them. And I guess I just don't understand why men and women, I guess, but like why people lie like that on camera. I don't know if he thought that he was going to be able to like lie about the timeline and like, didn't think that this like huge ordeal was going to break. And like, maybe he was planning on leaving his wife and was just going to be able to tell her like, Oh, that was after. I don't know. Like, I guess I, whatever. But when cameras are around and people lie like that, I'm just like, what? Like, and that's the thing about this Raquel thing. I'm just like, where did you think that this was going to end? How did you think this was going to play out? I just don't understand people who don't think situations all the way through. I'm honestly jealous of it. I'm so jealous of people's lack of obsessive compulsive tendencies. So then basically Lala expresses interest in Oliver. And as soon as Lala expresses interest in him, Raquel decides that she's into him. And it's this like weird, like light switch that goes off in her and that all of a sudden she's like, oh, like I'm into him too, but like, I don't want to like take him from you. And Lala's just like, you know what, girl, go for it basically. And then she does and makes out with him on the dance floor. And then Lala's fine about it. Like she's not like throwing fits or anything like she, in my opinion, she handles it really maturely. It's just that, but obviously she's just kind of like, God, like, that was annoying. Like anybody would be like tiffed about it, but she's not like being a brat. She's not like throwing a fit. She's just kind of like, that was weird. Um, because it is. And I think also when you're like in your thirties, you're a divorce or she's not divorced, but she's like, she has a child, you know, she's older, she's sober. I think she's just like over Raquel's like childish games. And I think that is like what we're seeing. And so they get back to the house or the hotel, wherever they're staying in Vegas. And Lala basically just levels with her again, sober. And, um, all the girls, they're like all in bed and Lala's just trying to nicely be like, listen, like when you're drinking, you're like a whole different animal. And if like when there's alcohol involved, I would not trust you to be around my man. And then drunk, drunkenly, Raquel's like, well, good thing you don't like have a fucking man to like have around. <laughs> that was actually such a good impression of her. Like, y'all don't even know. That was exactly what she sounded like. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Vroom, vroom. I hope, I don't know if y'all heard that, but Jesus Christ. Anyway. So then. Raquel kind of like takes this as like bullying, even though they're really, in my opinion, like, especially knowing the context, maybe not knowing the context, people might've taken it as bullying. I think even in the context, seeing the Oliver interaction, I think I still would have been like, that was fair, but yeah, I mean, she, whatever she takes it as bullying. She retreats to her room and she like turns on this like galaxy light. (laughs) which the girls kind of like Christina, like definitely makes fun of. And Christina Kelly is a hater. And this is just something that we know, like Christina Kelly and Katie Maloney are certified haters and that's just the way they are. And that is fine. You know, like it's just who they are and you don't have to like that about them and you don't have to like them, but it's just who they are. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And so, Raquel just needs to like know that, you know what I mean? Like, but anyway, she kind of like creeps around the corner and hears 
the girls wisp like kind of talking about how she was like listening to Taylor Swift with her like galaxy lights and they and and Lala goes, is she gonna kill us tonight? And then they laugh. But like honestly, that's like not that bad. Like I've been on girls' trips where I've said things like that about people. Like if you've ever been on a bachelorette trip, there's always one person where you're like, is she about to like snap and kill us all? Like there's always one of those. So I don't think that that's that bad. <laughs> but yeah, so also like the galaxy lights and the Taylor Swift thing, like I guess that's kind of like where she's getting this like idea that maybe she um, has, you know, this autism thing. I don't know if y'all saw, but she did. So, okay, let me back up. So <laughs> I'm going to insert this little tidbit from Instagram here. So she commented on Robert Deerdeck from Ridiculousness. His wife, Brianna, recently posted on Instagram about her like later in life autism di- diagnosis and how like a lot of times girls are diagnosed later in life, this kind of thing, and how she's been processing it etc cetera, etc cetera. and Raquel commented on it or and they they know each other through pageants and so she talked about how like pageants was something that like helped her cope with her like autism symptoms i guess and Raquel commented and said i can relate sending you love and so people were like okay what do you mean by you can relate but she didn't like go into that she didn't like specify like what she meant what part of it she can relate to. And so people are kind of speculating that maybe um, she has autism or she is autistic, but um, there are a lot of people who were commenting things like, oh, I knew it. I knew that you had autism. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't think that that's like a nice thing to say someone to say to someone regardless of if they are autistic or not. I have had some friends who are like licensed therapists who have been like, I don't think that she has ASD. I tend to agree, I guess, like I, and maybe it's just the Bambi eyes, but I tend to see her making really strong eye contact and like not, I don't see her being very fidgety. I don't like, I don't know, those like telltale autism signs aren't there. Like maybe, yes, like she, she definitely is like socially awkward. And she does have like an odd like speech pattern and those kinds of things. But I tend to think that like those are like just quirky personality traits. And like, obviously I'm not a mental health professional, but I, this is pure just like speculation based on things that have been laid out to me. So I am not trying to like speculate excessively, (laughs) just trying to, you know, digest what's been laid out here. But um, it'll be interesting to see if she tells us at the reunion that she's received some kind of diagnosis or if she just meant by that comment that pageants really helped her to like um, connect with others maybe. And maybe she has some other kind of like neurodivergent um, diagnosis because, um, that would also make sense. But anyway, back to, um, this first episode. So then after Vegas, they go to the like Havasu mountains, I guess, in Arizona and Charlie Burnett meets up with them. And then Raquel and Charlie swiftly end up leaving and, end up crashing boys night instead that Sheena has thrown for Schwartz because Sheena got left out of this girl's trip. Um, because Katie is like super mad at Sheena for trying to like push Schwartz and Raquel together. And so that is like also a really weird thing that I feel like the core girls tend to it's interesting to me i guess that they're like mad at sheena for trying to like quote unquote like push schwartz and raquel together and like they look at the situation like neither schwartz nor raquel have any kind of agency like they're both like too dumb to like come up with any kind of like plot on their own so that's another thing is i think that we're seeing in these episodes just how calculating Raquel is. I still do 
think that she's dumb. And I do think that people can be both dumb and calculating. I actually know a lot of people like that in my life who I think like have almost no common sense and like not a lot of like, like not a lot going on upstairs, but still have like, just like this sixth sense that has like where they can just manipulate people in their sleep. And I, so I don't think that, um, intellect or intelligence is required to be manipulative because, and like, I mean, look at Jax, like Jax is very observant and like sees a lot of things when it comes to like the Sandoval and like all of these things, he sees a lot of like patterns and things intellectually, but is also like a really bad manipulator, even though he's a narcissist. So it's really strange to me how like people's intellect slash manipulation skills slash personality disorders are like all kind of mutually exclusive or like, or not mutually exclusive. Like they're all kind of like on their own islands it's like they, they're all completely independent of each other. Like just because you're a narcissist doesn't mean you're smart. <laughs> just because you're smart doesn't mean you're a good manipulator. And just because you're a good manipulator doesn't mean you're a narcissist. It's so strange. It's all, it's all very like confusing. But that, then that's why I love this show because I feel like I've learned so much <laughs> about like people and relationships over the last decade watching this show. But anyway, so I feel like we're being able to see how calculated Raquel is. And I think that she has played up her dumbness and like leaned into the fact that these people have all written her off as dumb because and let people other people like take the fall for things like with Sheena. And I think that's why Sheena was so angry with her and got physical with her is because she's just kind of thrown her under the bus, even throughout her own wedding. And so I think that's, you know, pretty fucked up. And that's why everybody is so mad at her. And I've seen some people say things like, why isn't Tom Sandoval getting all the hate that Raquel is getting? Like Tom's the one that betrayed Ariana and their relationship and whatever. And to that, I say, just hold on because right now Raquel is the one who is getting repeatedly exposed. She is the one that hurt more people, frankly. Like she's the one who, like I just said, like threw Sheena under the bus, hurt Katie in the process. In addition to Ariana, like dragged Schwartz in this is hurting James as well. Like is hurting so many different people. It's not just Tom, Ariana and Raquel in Raquel's like, war path. There are so many other people that she's like harmed with her actions. And that's why she is getting piled on right now. And she's also the one that get, is getting continuously exposed. Tom's reckoning is coming though. When the episodes air that have are being filmed right now and like when like when the reunion airs and when the most recently filmed episodes of like right after Scandaval broke air he is going to get like i mean eviscerated he is going to get absolutely burned at the stake so just be patient because his time is coming it's just we don't have all of the facts for his role right now we don't have all of we don't have it all like in front of us the way that we have Raquel's like calculated chess moves and all the different ways that she's betrayed those who have stood up for her which I'll get to more in a moment so um like I said, Raquel and Charlie end up leaving Arizona and then they crash boys night that Sheena threw for Schwartz. And this is a really interesting moment because when Raquel shows up, it's a mixture of like disappointment and excitement for everybody. And I think everybody is excited to see that she left the girls trip. <laughs> but is kind of disappointed that they're crashing this boys night. 
Tom Sandoval definitely gets like a twinkle in his eye, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily excited that she's there. They have like a moment, they have like this weird interaction where Raquel is like, and this is again, like a sign of how dumb she is. This is why I'm like, she is not like the dumb thing is not an act. She truly is this dumb. And she says, she's like recounting what happened to Tom Sandoval and is like, so then Lala is like, you only want a guy if your friend is interested in him or with him. Can you believe that? And Tom like looks off to the side, you know, and it's like, even in the moment, even if we didn't know what was going on, it still would have been like, it still would have been kind of funny because it's like, well, yeah, but you did make out with the guy that she was interested in and you made out with Schwartz already. Like we have already seen, you know, like evidence of this. So it would have been funny anyway, but now it looks like an Easter egg of like, well, yeah, you know, but so that's like an interesting moment. There's a lot of weird interactions during that little, um, blip, but you have to really watch it to pick up on it. So if you haven't watched the first episode, definitely go watch and, um, watch that like final scene in slow motion. (laughs) Then the second episode that's aired since Scandaval broke aired last night. Well, when I'm recording this aired last night on Wednesday. And so Tom and Ariana have a pool party at their house and Ariana is sticking up for Raquel after the trip. And she does not believe Christina, Katie, and Lala's account of the trip and how Raquel was acting. She even says, I just don't see Raquel being this like crazy person, like trying to make out with everyone's boyfriends. She's like, I just don't see her acting all crazy. Like I see these three like ganging up on them and being mean like they always do. Like she says that in her confessional And so that's going to be really interesting at the reunion. I think she's going to be, again, like really mad that she was played. So again, this is why Raquel is getting the level of hate that she is getting is it's not just about her sleeping with this man. It is the way that she turned these friend groups on each other messed with all of these different relationships, both romantic and, you know, friend relationships. She just really like fucked with a lot of people's heads. And that is why her feet are being held to the fire the way they, they are. And she deserves it. So James is like whining the whole episode. And it's really funny about how (laughs) Raquel is trying to like inch him out of the friend group. And he's like, I'm fucking James Kennedy. Like I'm the life of the party for the last decade. Like you can't, you can't ice me out of this group. And he's basically pulling a jacks. Like I'm the number one guy in the group kind of thing. And it's kind of funny. And then basically, like I said, Tom and Ariana have a pool party and they invite everyone. So they invite Sheena and they invite Raquel. And then they also invite Christina and they invite Katie and they invite everybody. Everybody's invited. Um, so then Sheena and Katie kind of go at it because of the shorts and Raquel thing. And Sheena basically asks Katie not to come to her wedding. And she's like, well, I want to go. Like I already paid for it. The hotel's non-refundable. And Sheena's like, well, I'll give you a thousand dollars right now to not come. I just, I don't want your negative energy. It's my wedding day. I don't want you like, you know, like around the resort, blah, blah, blah. Lala and Christina are like, because she wants to bring Christina too. And Christina doesn't like Sheena, whatever. And Lala's like, well, I want her there, which I'm like, well, Lala, it's not your wedding. (laughs) So I don't really like know what this has to do with you. But Sheena is just like trying to be like, you know, civil, but being like, I'll give you money so that you can like, it's you, if you want to go to Mexico, go to Mexico. But like, can you please go to a different resort is basically what she's asking. And she's like, you can hang out with everybody, but can you like stay at a different resort? And then they're like, we're not going to be there like with binoculars. And then it cuts like two weeks later and it like shows them like on their balconies, like watching Sheena's wedding from their fucking hotel balcony. And I'm like, that is so Katie and Christina. Um, (laughs) 
But anyway, they kind of go at it. It's a whole thing. And then Schwartz sides with Sheena and is like, you're objectively, you're objectively in the wrong here, Katie, like just go somewhere else. Like, cause Sheena's like, I I'm get, I'm offering the Venmo you a thousand dollars right now. Like, so you can't say it's about the money. And basically Sheena's just like, I don't want your negative energy around my wedding. And if you've ever watched one second of Vanderpump rules, you know what Sheena means <laughs> by Katie's negative energy. Plus Katie hates Sheena has always hated Sheena has always bullied Sheena a lot. And right now because of the like Schwartz and Raquel thing, it's like, on a thousand. So I understand where Sheena's coming from. Also, I'm a major Sheena apologist. I like, I love Sheena. She's like my favorite female character. So whatever. And then Schwartz takes Sheena's side and Katie's pissed and you know, whatever. Sheena's like, whatever, team Schwartz and the divorce. Then Raquel and Lala start to go out it because Raquel once again calls Lala a mistress and says that she has bimbo vibes. Because I guess at some point during oh yeah, that's why um Charlie and Raquel left in Arizona. I didn't say that, but um they were like eating lunch and they started to have the conversation again about the whole Oliver thing, whatever, and brought up what um, Raquel had said when she was drunk about like, good thing you don't have a man and whatever. And Lala was just like trying to explain, like, do you understand like why that's hurtful? And like, just kind of wanted an apology. And Raquel basically like started to apologize, but then doubled down and was like, but you were, you're like a mistress. So that was the whole thing. And that started like a huge rift. And then at this pool party in this next episode, Again, Raquel triples down and is like, you're a fucking mistress, bimbo vibes, bimbo vibes. And Lala's just like, all right, like, because she's not drinking again. You know, she's sober. So Lala's kind of behaving herself and is just kind of like letting her, you know, look stupid. And then the camera pans to her like she's like in the yard and like having this guy just like film her like walking in her bikini. And it's just funny. I don't know. It's just silly. But so this pool party is just kind of chaos. But yeah, so I think that the Raquel continuously calling Lala a mistress and a bimbo and bringing up all of her like infidelity history and all these things, which I think is probably particularly triggering to Lala because she's like, hey, look at me. Like, I am a mother now. I am sober now. I've been Lala's been sober for something like three years now. Like, she's been sober for a really long time. So all of her like indiscretions happened when she was on the sauce. And so I can see how her being like, I have like completely like picked my life up and changed it. And I'm now like a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm sober, and you're still referring to me as a fucking mistress, like, fuck you. I'm on Lala's side, like, and I'm not always on Lala's side, especially with Raquel. Sometimes I do find her to be like a major bully (laughs) up against Raquel because like, it's just like not an intellectual match. But in this particular situation, I just like, Uh, And especially knowing what's going on behind the scenes, it makes sense why Lala is coming for her so hard on social media. She's pissed. She's pissed that this person who has been doing, you know, all of these things behind the scenes has been on camera repeatedly dragging Lala's character through the mud for what she's been doing. So, yeah. So then afterwards on Watch What Happens Live... Jax and Brittany appear um, and Andy says that it's the first time he's seen them in person since before the pandemic, which is kind of funny. Jax spills all kinds of tea and you can tell that he is on something. He's for sure on something. Brittany's not, <laughs> but he has like completely different energy than her. It's crazy. He's really amped. He's really excited. And he says that Tom has cheated on Ariana before, brings up Miami girl. He's like, I was there. I was in the room. Says the Sandoval did in fact cheat. He says that Schwartz knew about the affair with Raquel, but tried to get him to come forward. Says Schwartz is a good guy. Says he talks to him every day. Apparently 
Schwartz is like the cast member that Jax is the closest with, but says like Schwartz is a good guy. He really wanted him to come forward, that whole thing. But I he didn't really touch on whether or not it was like a cover up, the Schwartz and Raquel thing. Says Katie is cheated, but that's not really a revelation because he's referring to the time she like motorboated a stripper's dick or something. And I don't really consider that cheating. I consider that like scandalous um, borderline behavior. But anyway, so they're really excited <laughs> on Vanderpump Rules. Brittany looks great. Um, she didn't really have that much to say. She was much quieter than her husband. Um, but they did seem to be like in a good place. Andy asked about their relationship and Jax was like, yeah, I've been like keeping it in my pants. And Brittany was like, Hey, better be, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> yeah. So apparently they're doing well. And Andy was like, are you saving your money? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, our house isn't for sale yet. So that's good. But yeah. So that's what we saw. The mid-season trailer dropped earlier this week, and it was like a real bombshell, I think, more than like anything else that we've talked about thus far. I think what stood out to me the most was the like post, the post-Scandival breaking conversation between Ariana and Tom when Tom says, I wish we both would have tried harder. And that's something that I haven't really seen that many people talk about, I think, because People are really hung up on Ariana saying that she wanted Tom to die, which I'm like, well, duh. Like, <laughs> okay. But I just couldn't believe that Tom said, I wish we would have both tried harder. Basically insinuating, if you had tried harder, then I wouldn't have fucked our friend. I just, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that um, that the other person needed to try harder for you to not fuck some, like somebody who is in your friend group in your circle. That's crazy. I understand that people have needs and I'm actually like, listen, I'm a Sagittarius. I have pretty liberal beliefs on cheating, <laughs> but like when it comes to, I think like, first of all, like full on affairs, second of all, cheating within a friend circle, I mean, death, jail, prison, burned at the stake, no tolerance. I just, I do believe that people can come back from infidelity. I don't think, I don't, I don't have a no tolerance policy. I always like, I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, if you cheated on me, I could get over it. I mean, like if it was like once, like the Miami girl situation, I could get over that, you know, like, I could. I don't know that I could get over Brittany and Jax's faith situation, though. That's different. I mean, I I am a case-by-case case infidelity kind of person. Like, I, it's not, it's not black and white to me. I know a lot of, like, a lot of straight white people are, like, super weird about cheating. I, I'm not even gonna, you know what? Not even just straight white people. Straight people. Straight people are, like, super weird about cheating. And sometimes I do think like, because Tom Sandoval did say something about how they only had sex four times a year in the trailer. And I'm not blaming anybody or saying that that's a good enough excuse or anything. But I do think that human beings make mistakes based on temptation. And that's like the oldest, like, mistake in the book literally like a genesis <laughs> so like i don't know like what to tell tell you like sometimes people fall into temptation and that is just like the way human beings are wired and i don't think that that makes people like um utterly shitty human beings if you do something physical with somebody outside of your relationship. However, I do think that like looking somebody you love in the face and lying to them over and over again is diabolical. So anyway, that's my little <laughs> aside on um, infidelity. 
So yeah, those are two of the little tidbits we get. We get, um, quote unquote, I wish we would have both tried harder. We get um, him saying, I just can't deal with having sex only four times a year. And then she says something to the effect of like, I just can't have sex with somebody who I see as a stranger. And then we hear Tom Schwartz say something like, open relationships are tough. And I did read somewhere on Reddit that somebody implied that maybe the Tom and Ariana relationship started as an open relationship, but then the Tom and Raquel thing devolved into a full-blown secret love affair. So that is also an interesting theory. So I am excited to see how this all unfolds in the coming months because we still have something like six or seven episodes before like Scandaval is actually uncovered on the show. Okay. Now we've got to get into Gwyneth Paltrow's ski accident trial. So last week we talked about her little bone broth wellness ordeal podcast thing. And it made sense that that was a little distraction <laughs> for this upcoming trial that she has. So um, I wrote about it on the Substack. Honestly, I can't remember if I actually spoke about it with my mouth on the podcast, but basically um, she went on this Dear Media podcast with her quote, with her doctor, she said, even though I'm pretty sure this guy, he's like a doctor, but he's not like, he's not like a medical doctor. He's like a He's like a like a homeopathic doctor, I thought. So it was interesting that she was like, this was a conversation between me and my doctor. It's like, it wasn't a conversation between you and your doctor. It was a podcast, but whatever, I, dig- I digress. But she went on this podcast and she and talked about her wellness routine, which involved um, basically a lot of fasting and a lot of soup and bone broth and vegetables and detoxing. And she talked a lot about detoxing. And it caused a lot of uproar and a lot of people were, you know, commenting on how little she ate, how much she focused on the detoxing and just kind of like her general history of weird wellness shenanigans, including myself who wrote about it on the Substack. Well, silly me, because I fell for it because... Apparently, it was all a distraction, smoke and mirrors from this trial, this trial to settle a lawsuit from five years ago in 2017, a, right? That was five years ago? Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I don't know when it was. Okay. I don't know. I'm confused. I'm confused as to when... I don't know. Scratch all this. Anyway, so what happened was Gwyneth Paltrow was skiing in Park City, Utah when she was there for the Sundance Film Festival. Husband's calling me. Okay, let's try this again. So Gwyneth Paltrow's trial began this week on Monday, and essentially it is over this lawsuit where a 76-year-old optometrist named Terry Sanderson is suing Gwyneth Paltrow in Park City, Utah. It seems like she hit this man from behind while she was skiing. And he's alleging that she essentially like made off without like attempting to help him. And based on what I've gathered from different, different sources um, before the trial ever started, was that the ski instructor kind of like helped her make a run for it. He didn't file a suit for a few years, which raised some eyebrows. But this isn't that unusual considering it took some time for his health to start to decline. And the US, the U S legal system is an abomination. And I can say that as somebody who was um, a witness in a custody battle that lasted for like two and a half years. So, um, you know, fuck our civil courts. I don't know what to, what else to say, but he was an optometrist. He had to stop working. Oh my God. I think that's my send it to Daryl sweatshirt, actually. 
<laughs> the trial is expected to hinge on how the 10 jurors, six women and four men, interpret evidence from medical experts and whether they see Sanderson's injuries as directly related to the accident or no- normal parts of aging, says NBC News. And according to Redfin, the jurors are all residents of wealthy Summit County where the median home in the median home sold for 1.3 million last month. So they're all richie riches. Okay. Oh fuck. I didn't realize this was on. In other news, Amanda Bynes was 5150 for the second time this week after roaming the streets of Hollywood found naked. TikTok started to emerge of her walking the streets over the past week and fans finding her looking frail, stopping to give her money or hanging out with her, walking with her, that kind of thing. She was actually supposed to attend 90s Con, which took place over the weekend in LA with some of um, her cast member or castmates from um, all that. And this is, like I said, her second 5150. She was... 5150 for the first time in 2013 after starting a fire in a woman's driveway. She was diagnosed as bipolar back then, which was, which is interesting because a lot of child stars are diagnosed with bipolar. And I have this, like, I I am so curious as to why that is. Like, why are child stars all bipolar? Selena Gomez has bipolar. Um, Britney Spears has been diagnosed as bipolar. The Olsen twins have been diagnosed as bipolar. What is up with that? Oh, Demi Lovato. Like, what is it? So I found, oh, Miley Cyrus, Shia LaBeouf, LaBeouf, Macaulay Culkin, Orlando Bloom. A lot, like a lot of celebrities who grew up in the spotlight have Bipolar disorder. So here's an article I found from Newsbreak. I couldn't find one from like Psychology Today or like E News or from like a bigger outlet, but I like really, really want somebody more esteemed to do and to like write a piece about this. But this is only from 30 days ago. So it is really recent. And it does mention Amanda Bynes. So this mentions public image, parenting, and pressure from the industry. The emotional, social, and physical development of children has a direct effect on their overall development and the adult they'll become. Child stars grow up in the public eye and under intense pressure. They don't have a typical childhood. Instead, they spent their early years working 10, 12 hours a day. Most of them didn't even choose to work in the entertainment industry. Their parents submitted their applications when they were babies. And then... There's a great difference between having stage parents who aggressively manage everything and profit off every million the child makes and having emotionally healthy parents who provide a secure base while giving the child freedom to be who they want to be. Daniel Radcliffe is a perfect example of this. He credits his parents for guiding him through the trials of Harry Potter fame, allowing him to stay calm and grounded regardless of the obstacles. Another factor can be emotional and sexual abuse behind the scenes. There have been many cases and accusations of emotional and sexual abuse in the entertainment industry, particularly involving children and teenagers. Corey Feldman from Gremlins and the Goonies has been outspoken regarding his very personal experience as a child star who became a victim of Hollywood pedophiles. Same with Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings. He called out higher-ups for engaging in an organized child sex ring. Um, In an interview with the Sunday Times, he said, clearly something major is going on in Hollywood. It was all organized. There are a lot of vipers in this industry, people who only have their own interests in mind. There's a darkness in the underbelly. What burns me about these situations is that the victims can't speak as loudly as the people in power. That's the tragedy of attempting to reveal what is happening to innocent people. They can't be squashed, but their lives have been irreparably damaged. And Demi Lovato recently revealed she was raped at 15 by another actor while filming Camp Rock. And Allison Stoner touched on this problem as well. Um, Harvey Weinstein made movies for Disney for decades, all of that, you know. So basically, Disney, you know, pe- the people in power making these this media for children 
they're not making media for children because they, you know, have a passion for children's um, television and movies and film, whatever. It's because they want to be around kids and teenagers. It's disgusting. So it makes sense, you know. But I do find it interesting that they all end up specifically bipolar because if you read Jeanette McCurdy's book, she has a lot of these similar experiences, but she she winds up with obsessive compulsive disorder, which is what I have. And I really enjoyed her book because I felt I felt really seen by the way that she like moves through her life. But it seems like a lot of celebrities end up with bipolar instead. And I just wonder what it is about fame or what it is about Hollywood that causes them um, to end up with BPD. But anyway, so I wanted to do just like a little bit of history on Amanda Bynes' mental health history because we still like, I don't know that we'll ever know exactly what happened to her. She's never been like completely forthcoming and I don't blame her. The most that we've ever gotten out of her was um, in a cover story she did with Paper Magazine in 2018, which I will get to. But to really understand her, I guess we have to go back to her last role, which was Easy A in 2010. She basically, she's, she, I loved her in that movie. So it makes me sad that that was her last role. I think that it was one of her best roles. And she confused people by um, retiring via Twitter and saying, being an actress isn't as fun as it may seem. If I don't love something anymore, I stop doing it. I don't love acting anymore, so I've stopped doing it. I know 24 is a young age to retire, but you heard it here first. So that was her um, retirement announcement via Twitter. After Easy A, she was actually in the middle of developing Hall Pass, which she was supposed to be in with Owen Wilson. And she actually got addicted to Adderall. And she was struggling so much during this time of her life during like 2009, 2010 with the way that she looked. She just hated her appearance and she hated that she wasn't like as naturally thin as some other like Hollywood starlets. And so she got addicted to Adderall because she learned on the set of Hairspray that Adderall kept you thin. And, but it, it made her not able to um, remember her lines. And so she actually ended up like just exiting the project. And then after that, she started to kind of like spiral out of control. And that's when her legal troubles began. Her first DUI was in 2012 after she clipped a sheriff's car with her BMW at like 3 a.m. in West Hollywood. And then that same year, she was charged with two more hit and runs on April 10th and August 4th. And the first one occurred just days after her DUI arrest. And then while those were going on the West Coast, she had another run in with the law on the East Coast. She threw a bong out of her apartment, out of the 36th floor window after cops responded to a call call that she'd been smoking pot in the lobby. I think that's funny. <laughs> Good for her. Who cares? It's weed. She threw a bong out of a 36 floor window. It's just funny. Anyway, so yeah, all that happens. And then the DUI, the first DUI that takes place, she was convicted of reckless driving for that one and sentenced to three years of probation and three months of alcohol education classes. Then during this time is when she like debuted her like colorful wigs and the dark sunglasses and the facial piercings. And that's when she started like looking different. And then the bong case was dismissed after she agreed to undergo psychiatric treatment. And then she was just charged to a lower charge of reckless endangerment and marijuana possession. And then in 2014, she was booked again for another DUI charge after police determined she was under the influence of a controlled substance, which 
basically was weed. So she got like a DUI for driving too high. Then her Twitter rants began and then her infamous tweet about wanting Drake to murder her vagina happens. And like I said, she was 51 50 in 2013 after starting a fire in a woman's driveway. She's diagnosed as bipolar and then eventually placed under conservatorship because she started like buying people like really crazy gifts, started like draining her fortune. Then she goes goes away for a while and returns in 2018, like I said, to talk to Paper Magazine. And she returns seeming okay, looking really well. And like she earns her degree from California's like FIT and everything like seems good. She does an interview where she talks about her mental health history. She talks about retiring over Twitter. She says that it was stupid. She like reflects on a lot of her decisions and her like drug use and that kind of thing. And just is like, I was just spiraling and sad and whatever and all these things. And it seems like it, from the things she talks about, it seems like she has a real issue with her own body and appearance. But then, so like I said, 2018, she looks really great. She's wearing like jeans and a blazer. She looks put together. She looks like her face looks back to normal for a second. And then 22, she announces an engagement to this weird white rapper. Her hair is dyed jet black. And she has a face tattoo of a heart. And then um, that's when things kind of start to seem a little amiss again. She's starting to post some strange things. She's got, she's like making music with her, her fiance. That's really strange. And it just is, it seems a little off, but not, not all the way back to, you know, like 2014. But then in 2022, she files to end her conservatorship after Brittany wins her case and calls off her engagement in July of 2022. Then October 2022, she enrolls in cosmetology school to become a manicurist, which is kind of strange because she earned her degree from FIT like three years prior. Then we don't really hear from her for the last few months until this. So... I am always rooting for Amanda because, again, who knows what happened to her. I mentioned Jeanette McCurdy earlier, and she spoke a lot about Dan Schneider's abuse in her book, I'm Glad My Mom Died. She doesn't mention him by by name, but refers to him as the creator, and um, Amanda worked with him a lot, and... If I remember correctly, I think that Amanda was kind of like the first of the like young girls that Dan worked with. So that's kind of frightening (laughs) to think about. But I think that I, I hope that one day we find out what happened to Amanda, not just because of my morbid curiosity, but because I think that it would be healthy for her to tell her story. I think that it's been. I think it's been like really cathartic for a lot of Hollywood's women to be able to come forward with the things that have happened to them. And I think we've only seen people heal from it. So I just hope that one day Amanda gets to a place where she feels that she has the safety and the strength and the support to be able to tell us what happened to her at Nickelodeon. Well, that is all for today. I'm planning on making an episode that is solely about blind items and rumors and gossip just because I love like unconfirmed tea and then later coming back to see if it's true. So stay tuned for that. Also, I am still working on getting that Bravo episode put together, but to be totally honest with y'all, my computer is just like not strong enough for what I was trying to do. So I am working on getting a better computer to be able to put out better content. I really want to get like 
a Mac desktop that is better for editing video content so I can really lean into the YouTube. But right now my MacBook Air is really only good for audio. And um, because Devin and I recorded the last episode with audio and video, I'm having some trouble trying to get it out because my computer keeps like not wanting to export it. So I apologize for leaving y'all hanging on that front, but I am going to figure it out. In the meantime, please subscribe to the upgraded version of the Spin Cycle Substack. I've got four different sections available if you um, subscribe to the paid version. The free version, you'll only get spur of the moment updates starting in April, which basically is like off the dome, random, free updates. But if you're a paid member, you get the weekly spin cycle newsletter in addition to deep dives, scandal watch alerts, and um, anything else I decide to put on there. And that, if you do subscribe to that, will help me to get a new computer faster. And then I can start putting stuff on YouTube. So I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you for all your support. Um, Continue to like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. It really helps me. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.